Welcome to Non-Binding Guidance, a podcast series from Ropes & Gray focused on current trends in FDA regulatory law, as well as other important developments affecting the life sciences industry. I'm Greg Levine, a partner in the firm based in Washington, D.C., and head of Ropes & Gray's Life Sciences Regulatory and Compliance Practice Group. I'm joined by my colleague, Beth Wyman, counsel on our Life Sciences Regulatory and Compliance team, and a former enforcement litigator from FDA's Office of Chief Counsel also based in Washington, D.C. Today, we'll focus on recent developments in FDA inspection policy. We'll discuss implications of the pandemic-related slowdown in inspections, progress FDA has been making in resuming inspections and catching up on the inspection backlog, and what FDA-regulated entities can expect when thinking about and preparing for FDA inspections in 2022. Beth, why don't we start by talking about FDA's inspection slowdown and how the agency has been prioritizing inspections since then. Will you walk us through that? Sure. Well, in March 2020, FDA temporarily postponed most foreign routine surveillance facility inspections and significantly scaled back domestic inspections. The agency said at the time that it would use alternative tools to inspect when possible, but it wasn't totally clear what that meant at the time. In May 2020, FDA announced that it would conduct certain mission-critical for-cause and pre-approval inspections. FDA announced it Inspections that considered mission critical would be inspections where the product to be inspected either required follow-up due to a recall or serious adverse events, was used to treat a serious condition and there wasn't any substitute, was related to FDA's COVID-19 response, including drug shortages, or had received breakthrough therapy or, or an RMAT designation. In July 2020, FDA announced it would resume prioritized domestic inspections using what it called a COVID-19 advisory rating system. That system was supposed to help the agency identify when and where it would be safest to conduct inspections. Prioritized domestic inspections would be pre-announced and would include pre-approval, surveillance, and for-cause inspections. Inspections would be prioritized according to factors, such as whether the inspection is intended to follow up on a previous violative inspection, the inspection was needed to support a product approval decision where no other application deficiencies were known that would preclude approval, whether the inspection would be considered high risk under statutory inspection frequency mandates, or otherwise would maximize the use of limited inspection resources to achieve the greatest public health impact during the pandemic. In August 2020, FDA confirmed that foreign pre-approval and for-cause inspection assignments not deemed mission critical would remain temporarily postponed. Greg, you and I have been working on some challenging foreign inspection issues recently. Can you talk a bit about what has been going on with foreign inspections in the aftermath of that August 2020 announcement that foreign pre-approval and for-cause inspections that were not deemed mission critical would remain temporarily postponed? Yeah, sure. Well, the short answer is that FDA has been ramping up its foreign inspection activity over time. In our legal practice, we've been seeing more and more of the foreign inspections conducted. Um, I think it'd be fair to say that so far these inspections have been of the mission critical type and not the routine surveillance type of inspections. But um, beginning in late 2020, FDA in its China office resumed doing limited pre-approval inspections, and then um, in the beginning of 2021, had uh, resumed similar uh, pre-approval inspections in uh, from its India office. Most recently in December 2021, during an FDA law enforcement conference, Elizabeth Miller, FDA Assistant Commissioner of Medical Products and Tobacco Operations in the Office of Regulatory Affairs, announced that the agency will be resuming a pilot program it had previously initiated to perform unannounced and short-notice 
inspections in India and that they would be expanding that program into China. That program responds to longstanding concerns that have been expressed by members of Congress and others about the perceived uneven playing field between domestic and foreign establishments where only the foreign establishments would receive prior notice of, of FDA inspections. There's been a longstanding issue with FDA's ability to conduct unannounced foreign inspections for various reasons. There's legal questions about their legal authority to do so um, or to require such inspections. And then there's more practical reasons like the need to coordinate logistics with the establishment um, before putting people on a plane, for example, to fly to a foreign country. Of course, where FDA has people on the ground now in certain countries like India and China, that potentially um, addresses that latter issue at least to some extent. In any event, there are some interesting questions about how well this, that program is going to work. And in our practice, we've already seen some serious challenges with FDA trying to initiate inspections on 10 days' notice. It's going to be interesting to see how well that program succeeds. But in any event, that's kind of where we are with the foreign inspections. We are seeing these inspections again, um, pre-approval and biomo inspections, um, not so much the routine surveillance inspections. So, Beth, why don't we turn to the implications of FDA's inspection slowdown, what it has meant for industry, and um, could you talk about what it's meant for the public more generally as well? Sure. First of all, reduced inspections have meant reduced oversight of, of drug manufacturing. And, you know, many have been concerned um, that that could lead to higher risk or less safe products. You know, another implication that has industry worried is um, the potential inability of FDA to approve certain drugs or, or devices on expected timelines. The GAO reported on these issues in March of 2021 when it released this report called FDA's Future Inspection Plans Need to Address Issues Presented by COVID-19 Backlash. In that report, the GAO found that the total number of foreign and domestic drug inspections that have been conducted by FDA um, from March 2020 through October 1, 2020 had plummeted. FDA had conducted only three foreign drug inspections. Uh, in that 2020 timeframe. In comparison, in fiscal year 2019, FDA had conducted 694 domestic and 977 foreign drug inspections. The limited number of foreign inspections is particularly significant, as uh, the report noted that 74% of establishments manufacturing active pharmaceutical ingredients and 54% of establishments manufacturing finished drugs for the U.S. market were located overseas as of May 2020. The GAO report also noted that FDA had been unable to complete more than 1,000 of its planned fiscal year 2020 surveillance drug inspections. The significant reduction in inspections has impacted the timing of product approvals. From March 2020 to March 2021, FDA received over 13,500 applications for medical product approval and was forced to delay 68 application decisions for drugs, devices, and biologics due to its inability to conduct pre-approval, pre-market, or pre-license inspections, which is about 5% of the total applications. I'll note that 61 of those 68 applications that were delayed were not considered to be mission critical. FDA also experienced minor delays in conducting follow-up compliance inspections for facilities with official action indicated status, completing 90% of its follow-up activities in fiscal year 2020. We don't have um, statistics to back up concerns um, that have been articulated about product quality due to, um, due to you know, limited inspections. 
But GEO's report and FDA's response, which came in the form of a May 2021 document titled Resiliency Roadmap for FDA Inspectional Oversight, has led to congressional concern. On July 22, 2021, the House of Representatives Committee on Energy and Commerce wrote to Acting Commissioner Woodcock to ask for more information about FDA's efforts to mitigate its backlog of manufacturing facility inspections and drug approval delays stemming from its backlog. The letter asked a series of questions about FDA's anticipated return to standard operations for both domestic and foreign inspections, and also asked for detailed information about drug approval delays. The committee also asked for more information about how FDA can use alternative tools, whether they be foreign body inspections, record requests, remote interactions, to help ameliorate the inspection backlog. So, Greg, FDA keeps talking about using alternative tools to maintain oversight while it can't get to all the sites it wants to. What do those tools look like, and will remote evaluations ever be able to replace inspections? Well, I don't think anyone thinks the remote evaluations will replace inspections. In fact, this seems to be a consensus of international regulatory agencies. There was a report recently by international, the International Coalition of Medicines Regulatory Authorities, the grouping of regulatory agencies globally. And they, while they all seem to use these various kinds of alternative tools, nobody seems to think it's a replacement, you know, particularly if you have issues like data integrity issues that you'd be concerned about at a site. There's certain things that are just hard to do um, remotely and can't really replace, you know, being in front of someone um, and, you know, seeing seeing them and asking them questions in person and first, firsthand. But as for the FDA, um, to help maintain oversight of manufacturing quality while the inspections were paused, the, the agency leveraged certain alternative inspection tools. Um, these they included relying to some extent on inspections conducted by foreign regulators, requesting and reviewing records and other information off-site, and sampling and testing products. With regard to the foreign regulators, uh, FDA has determined that inspections conducted by certain European countries are considered equivalent to FDA inspections, so they will just accept those as a substitute for FDA inspection. Um, and in the drug areas, with regard to requesting records, FDA has legal authority under Section 704A4 of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act to request records and receive records in advance of or even in lieu of a facility inspection. So FDA uh, uses that tool. And outside the drug area, it will um, it doesn't have that legal authority, but it uh, can still request records. And in many cases, um, there's going to be an incentive for the entity that would be the subject of the request to, to cooperate uh, with the FDA. Um, and then in some, to some extent, sampling and testing of product can help um, protect against problematic products, but I don't think anyone considers that to be a fail-safe method, and certainly they can't, um, they can't do that with most products coming, coming in uh, to the country or being distributed domestically. Uh, the alternative tools have allowed FDA to take some regulatory actions against uh, foreign drug manufacturing establishments with manufacturing deficiencies during the inspection pause. Um, and so kind of, again, going back to that concern about the foreign product in particular, where FDA's uh, inspections have been uh, fewer than domestic. From March 1st to December 1st of 2020, the FDA placed 64 foreign establishments on import alert for a variety of reasons. One was because of an inspection report from a foreign regulatory authority. Um, another nine were for refusing FDA records requests. 
there were more than 50 for issues identified with um, with product sampling. With regard to some of the er specific areas where remote tools may not be as effective, according to that ICRMA report that I mentioned, um, as I said, there's hard, it's harder to con conduct effective interviews face-to-face. -face. You can't assess body language, uh, nervous behaviors, and so forth. The dynamics of the meetings can impede free flow of information, and I think we've all dealt with that with our Zoom meetings and Teams meetings and these kinds of things. It can sometimes be less than uh, smooth in how the meeting proceeds. Um, there can be delays in availability of personnel or documents that might raise uncertainties about whether there's been some kind of interference, authenticity of documents. Um, if you're dealing with really large records, um, that can be sometimes in, um, impractical to sort of transfer and, and view remotely. Um, you can, of course, see in person the physical layout of a site, so there might be design features that are missed. Um, you can't replicate sensory perceptions like hearing things and smelling things and so on, which might um, suggest some some risk to an investigator. And in the good clinical practices area, it can be hard to do remote inspections in some cases of investigator sites where it might be very uh, a large burden on investigators to provide access to paper records. And then the inspection of source documents some, sometimes can be not um, can be impossible due to local legal requirements. FDA has also published guidance on what it calls remote interactive evaluations. Beth, why don't you explain those and, and how they are similar or different from ordinary inspections? Sure. FDA responded um, to this question exactly in a final guidance that it issued in April of 2021. That guidance is called Remote Interactive Evaluations of Drug Manufacturing and Bioresearch Monitoring Facilities During the COVID Public Health Emergency. And FDA made clear in the guidance, you know, first of all, that we're dealing with, with drug evaluations. Um, and that remote interactive evaluations are not and would not be a replacement for surveillance inspections. But as for process, um, FDA noted that generally it will request records and other information under Section 704A4 of the FTCA before initiating a remote interactive evaluation. And then as part of that um, evaluation, FDA might request and review documents, records, and other information in electronic systems. It might use live stream or pre-recorded video to examine facilities, operations, and data or other information. And, you know, I noted that um, there is concern about, you know, how good that type of video is in, in examining um, the facility like an inspector would be able to do live, but it, it gives at least some insight. Like you noted that uh, through the facility's point of contact, contact um, it would schedule interviews and meetings to address any questions or concerns it had. Um, it would evaluate a, a facility's corrective actions, for example, in response to a previous inspection or evaluation or in response to issues identified in the ongoing remote interactive evaluation. Um, FDA said that it would provide verbal updates to the facility on all observations and outstanding issues whenever feasible. And upon completion of the remote interactive evaluation, FDA would have a closeout meeting with facility management. If the remote interactive evaluation was intended to supplement a scheduled inspection, FDA would issue a form, an FDA Form 43 at the close of the inspection. Otherwise, FDA would present a list of written observations but would not issue a 43. In either case, however, FDA encourages a response to those written observations within 15 days. 
the remote interactive evaluation um, could be used to support FDA's assessment of pending applications um, to preclude the need for inspection and a follow-up um, to a reported concern. However, if issues are identified during a remote interactive evaluation, the evaluation might support a regulatory meeting, a warning letter, an import alert, recall activities, or other enforcement action, or might cause FDA to prioritize the facility for an inspection or justify follow-up or compliance inspections or any other surveillance activity. The guidance also describes how the agency would request and conduct voluntary remote interactive evaluations at drug manufacturing facilities as part of the BIMO program, and also with respect to outsourcing facilities. Uh, FDA might request a remote interactive evaluation for inspections that are not deemed mission critical or prioritized um, or that otherwise have been impacted by travel restrictions and would use a risk-based methodology to decide when to perform uh, remote evaluations. Um, Although remote evaluations are voluntary, declining an FDA request for such an evaluation could impede the agency's ability to make a timely regulatory decision. For example, regarding the adequacy of a clinical trial used in support of a pending application or the adequacy of a drug manufacturing operation that's described in an application. Greg, so we know that FDA has various alternative tools at its disposal, but they're not a substitute for inspections. And we also know that FDA continues to have a sizable backlog. How does FDA expect to catch up and get back on track? What is its plan? In response to the GAO report that you mentioned earlier, FDA released a a document, a plan, what they called a resiliency roadmap for FDA inspection oversight in May of 2021. And in that document, they outlined a a best case, base case, and worst case possible scenarios. In in July of 2021, FDA transitioned to the base case scenario. And that means that under that scenario, the FDA would move to standard operational levels for domestic surveillance inspections. So domestic surveillance inspections only would move to standard operational levels and the foreign inspections would remain on the mission critical prioritization or mission critical inspection focus. In November, uh, uh, FDA published an update on its resiliency roadmap and it announced it actually had exceeded all of its targets under the base case. So actually was doing better than it, it had planned to or expected to under that base case scenario. Um, but of course, that's that's addressing only the domestic inspections. And the other thing that in that report FDA reported on is where they are on inspections for pending applications. And there, the FDA had made progress from, from the prior report in May to November in getting cleared some of the pending applications that were delayed because of inspectional delays um, from the earlier report, but of course they had, not surprisingly, they had received more applications in the interim. So as of November, there were still 60 applications that were delayed due to the inspectional delays. So, you know, I think what we'll expect to see going forward is FDA under its plan is going to continue to, to operate under the base case, we hope, um, but the Omicron variant won't make them, you know, go backwards. Um, but if they can continue to do that, They'll try to clear some of the backlog. Uh, for the international inspections, they're still going to be somewhat limited in the way they, they have been. Um, and then, uh, so we think we'll still continue to use some of these alternative tools that we've been talking about, the interactive evaluations and so on. And then product approvals, you know, 
we'll hopefully get closer to uh, being back on track soon, but there's still there's still a backlog that's going to have to be worked through for, for some time. Beth, one last question for today, and I think we're going to be out of time. But from the perspective of regulated entities, manufacturers, what should they be thinking about as FDA works on its plan to to eliminate the backlog and get back to more normal inspection operations? Sure. Yeah. I mean, manufacturers are going to have to make sure their facilities are inspection ready, you know, with the expectation that FDA is going to be coming back to inspect. So it's hard to say exactly what that schedule is going to look like. Um, and over the course of the pandemic, there have been sort of stops and starts. Um, in terms of FDA activity, but FDA has issued uh, a number of pandemic-related guidances um, to help companies and facilities prepare for future inspections whenever they would get started. Um, For example, in September 2020, FDA published a guidance on resuming normal drug and biologic manufacturing operations during the COVID pandemic, and uh, that uh, sets out a roadmap for the ways that companies can approach getting their houses in order prior to um, an FDA inspection. Similarly, in in May 2020, FDA revised its guidance on post-marketing adverse events reporting for medical products and dietary supplements during a pandemic, um, wherein FDA had permitted certain delayed adverse events reporting um, due to potentially to um, pandemic-related employee absenteeism, as long as certain documentation was maintained. Um, And FDA is... um, is going to be looking at that documentation um, and and making sure that reports are timely submitted or else if they were not, that the uh, appropriate documentation was was maintained. Outside of specific concerns that are highlighted in FDA guidances, disruptions caused by the pandemic in manufacturing operations or employee attendance may have impacted broader quality initiatives. For example, there may have been delays in quality audits or in procedure reviews, employee trainings, or CAP activities. FDA frequently cites manufacturers for failing to implement appropriate policies and procedures, but also for failing to adhere to policies and procedures as they're written. And manufacturers will need to make sure they are prepared to account for any deviations and and document uh, what was done in connection uh, with those deviations. Thank you, Beth. I I think we probably would have hoped that by now some of those FDA guidance documents for the pandemic would no longer be relevant, but things have gone. It seems seems they still may be for some time. Thank you for joining me today, and thank you to our listeners. For more information on this topic or others, please visit our website at www.ropesgray.com. And of course, if we can help you navigate any of the topics we've discussed, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can also subscribe to this series wherever you regularly listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Thank you for listening.